All right, Shannon, we're here at Bivouac Cider Works in North Park. This is the Biotech and Breweries podcast. Thanks yeah. a bunch for making time. Yeah, of course. It's great great to be out. I'm, I'm happy to finally check out some new places in San Diego since I moved here. Yep. It's, um, as I was just sharing, most of the episodes that I've done in the past have been on Zoom or a similar format. Mm-hmm. So this feels, this is so much more fun to get out yeah. and be able to try a new place together. In this case, we're not going to have a beer. We're going to have a glass of cider, but yeah. um, but it should be it should be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. So um, to get started, it would be great if you don't mind to share a little bit about your personal background. Yeah. So I guess I'm fresh out of my PhD. I just finished my PhD at Harvard University in the lab of David Liu about eight months ago. And since that, I've transitioned to a faculty position at Scripps Research about six months ago. So I think it's June um, or July that I started. And uh, I've been mainly focused on, I guess, uh, the intersection of directed evolution, CRISPR technologies, and CRISPR therapeutics. So being able to make tools that we can eventually use to cure genetic disease in humans. Um, and I had a little bit of an interesting path there, I guess. Um, I, you might note, notice that I'm in the chemistry department at Scripps Research, and I don't like to consider myself now a traditional chemist. But in my undergraduate research, so the first research experience that I formally undertook was purely synthetic organic chemistry. So very large deviation from what I'm doing now. But I think it really, you know, set up my mindset on thinking about things at a really small scale molecularly. And it was uh, got me to transition very well into graduate school, where I was able to use uh, learn uh, directed evolution protein engineering technique to apply them to gene editing tools, and that's what I'm doing now in my in my current research too. Yeah, that's I mean it's really really interesting. And you mentioned yeah. some I don't know if hot button terms is the right yeah. way to put it, but saying CRISPR for example, obviously CRISPR. Uh, Everybody, non-scientists even, have, are yeah. familiar with that term and kind of know that that's a pretty exciting um, technology. That, yeah, that's, definitely that's a buzzword. Yeah. And, yeah, and directed evolution, I think, is also a, a big buzzword, too. Yep. In, in 2018, uh, it won the Nobel Prize in chemistry also for a technique of protein engineering. Yep. So I think it's a really exciting time to be in all the fields that I'm in because, I mean, yeah, 2018, directed evolution took the Nobel Prize. In 2020, CRISPR took the Nobel Prize. And so me being able to, throughout my career, see all of those happen as I'm actually performing similar research, I think is just amazing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So growing up, I mean, when you obviously have a, a science, your mind, your mind, you're kind of a science-based mind, I guess it For sounds sure. like that's kind of a big, a made, big part of your life. Yeah. Growing up, how old were you when you kind of started to take the science? Was it something that has been in you from when you were a little, a little girl? Yeah. Kind of. Um, I had a really mixed background. So my father was an engineer. Um, my mother was really into fashion. And so I've kind of had a mixed mindset growing up between, you know, science and the arts. So throughout, you know, elementary, grade school and, and on, um, I really had a balance between being interested in science classes and, you know, music and art um, and everything like that. My sister, uh, who's two years older than me, three grades older, was the same way. We ended up both being scientists, actually, and I think it's her influence that influenced me a lot. She likes to say that I copied her a lot because um, we both went to University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign for our undergrads, and she had the struggle being three or three grades older than me. She w- went through the struggle of changing her major like three, four times before she settled on chemistry, and I just kind of went in 
being biology and chemistry. So she likes to think that I, I copied her, which maybe I did a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, she was a huge influence. Um, she laid the right. groundwork for you a little bit. That's what an older exactly. sibling is supposed to do. Yeah, you know, exactly. help, help you avoid some of the mistakes or the maybe the, the pivots that she had to go through you, you got to avoid. Exactly, yeah. She likes to, to give herself a little bit of credit for where I am because she's like, <laughs> I taught you how to avoid all those mistakes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever thought about working together? Um, we're, we ended up, even though we did the same major, we ended up in really different fields. So I kind of strayed towards the biology side of chemistry and now I'm basically purely in molecular biology. And she did her PhD in materials chemistry okay. and now is actually doing a kind of alternative career path for a PhD chemist, which is um, safety. So chemical safety. So she works in EHS departments um, and things like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I want to ask yeah. you a few questions about what you're doing now and maybe I know you have some plans maybe to do some big things in the future. Yeah. But I think it'd be fun to kind of share with the listeners what prompted me to like reach out to you and kind of for, sure. for us to meet. So I, I came across an article online that Forbes had published where they were recognizing what they call the 30 under 30. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was healthcare. And the healthcare, was it science? Mine or? was the sciences. Science. Yeah, they have all sorts of categories. Healthcare is yep. one, science is one. So obviously being recognized by Forbes for anybody is a huge honor. Um, But this is really interesting because it's recognizing people that are under the age of 30, which is... At under the age of 30, you haven't had a ton of time to yeah. do anything noteworthy yet. So it must be, I'm sure, difficult to get recognized. But I was going through the list and came across, I was hoping as I saw, started going through the list that I would see someone from San Diego. Mm-hmm. I'm always rooting for San Diego and hoping that someone from San Diego would be recognized. And I, I came across you. So it yeah. must have been, maybe share a little bit about, about what that felt like when you when you found out you were going to make a list and kind of be honored that way. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing looking through that list. You know, you get a bit of that imposter syndrome being like, why am I on this list with all these these ridiculous people because there's some people who are under 30 who are already CEOs of companies um, and definitely you know getting into that space is something I aspire to but I'm, I'm a few steps uh, prior to that for now trying to build up the basic research of it as well yep. um, but it's it's amazing I mean it's it's led to a lot of opportunities like meeting you yeah. um, and a variety of other people yeah it's that's great, really great. That, that's something that will look good on a resume forever yeah so and you, obviously, people age out of that, so I'm not yeah. going to make the 30 under 30 list. They have a they have think. a 50 under 50s also, you know. <laughs> I've got some time. That's a good point. I'll have to start trying for that. Mm-hmm. All right, so back back to kind of what you have going on yeah. now. Maybe uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing today now that you've, yeah. you've kind of gotten to this point. Yeah, so I, I said that during my PhD, I developed tools for CRISPR gene editing. So since 2012, since its discovery, uh, it the field has kind of absolutely exploded for developing new CRISPR technologies. So being able to access the human genome, go in and precisely manipulate it at any which spot that we desire. And so we've accumulated this enormous toolkit of CRISPR technologies. And now the next step is really to see, can we get those CRISPR technologies into the human body to lead to permanent cures for genetic diseases? And that's where I step in because there's kind of a gap right now in the technology that we have where we have the tools, we know the diseases, but how do we actually get our tools into the human body to be able to cure those diseases? And so 
the research program that I'm booting up at Scripps is all centered around developing technologies to deliver CRISPR into the human body. And there's a variety of ways that you can do this. A lot of people will hear about viruses to be able to deliver into the body. Like the COVID vaccine, you can also do so with mRNA that's wrapped inside of a lipid. Uh, and there's just a tons of other ways that you can, can do it. So I'm using my background in protein engineering and directed evolution to really make a change within this field. It's really interesting. And you're doing, I think most of your, your research that you're doing is happening at the Scripps Research Facility. All, right? all at Scripps, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. I think you're the first guest I've had on that's yeah. been at the Scripps Research Facility. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I've seen seen it. I, I know obviously it's a, a world-renowned uh, you know, place to do work, but I would love to know more about kind of yeah. the inner workings and how that maybe how that came about. Yeah, I don't think it's a mistake that I'm like one of the first people that you met. I think Scripps is growing rapidly within the past couple of years. I mean, I'm one of, I think, four new hires in the faculty this year, which is a big dent for Scripps since we're a pretty small research institution. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's it's a great place to do science. In the past two years, we had two people win the Nobel Prize. This year, actually, Barry Sharpless won it for the second time. That's amazing. Which was just like a, a amazing thing to be a part You're of. He's just showing off now. When you, right? win, when exactly. you win twice, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, well, he has a he has a parking spot that's reserved for Nobel laureates, <laughs> and someone went and, and taped on a sign that said double Nobel laureates, there you so go. it's just his. Yeah, there's a, yeah. as you're in... Um, you're in rare company. There's not many people that I can say that they've won oh, that twice. Very few. Yeah. yeah. Under ten for yeah, sure. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's an amazing place to do science. It's something that, you know, throughout my career heard scripts being in the top ranks of uh, chemical biology, biology, chemistry, all of these areas. So uh, it's been absolutely phenomenal to to really get adjusted there and start to establish my my research there. Yep. And so how does that work from a business model perspective? So you're doing research there. Do they own the the IP from the research? Yeah. Do you own it? What happens if, I mean, is there a way for you to maybe, if, if you wanted to someday, use your research to maybe start a company yeah. or do something else? Or is it theirs? Or how does that work? I think it's similar to any university as like they would own a part of the IP, your names on all of these yep. um, patents, et cetera. But um, similar to, to how people start up companies in other universities. Um, yeah, you're the person who's, you know, the co-founder of that company. Yep. And eventually the patent will get sold to that company or anything like that. But Scripps or whatever university you're at, you're at will get a chunk of that patent sale. But yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's um, it's great to hear that it's growing. I mean, it's I think that the same could be said for the San Diego life science and kind of biotech ecosystem in general. Oh, for sure. It's grown amazingly over the last you know, decade or two know, decades. Yeah. So there's going to be more and more opportunities, I think, for, for research and for really, you know, maybe young and up and coming people to do some pretty exciting things. Exactly, yeah. I, I really am of the mindset that these biotechs and pharma companies, the how well they do within the cities that they're at really is correlative to how well the basic research, the basic science is being done. So yep. you have places like Scripps and Selk and UCSD and everyone there is doing top-notch biology, biotechnology research. And that really kind of leads to this cycle of improvement. So I think, I think it's really a good sign that Scripps and all these other institutions are growing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So what what do you hope to accomplish going forward? You obviously have a long career ahead of you. Yeah. You know, 
Do you have any specific targets or goals in mind that you're hoping to kind of work towards, or is it, are you taking it a day at a time, or how, yeah. how does that how does that look? A little bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Right now, I'm concentrating on the science because before I do anything else, um, I actually need to get some science to work. Okay. Uh, but I'm really inspired by my PhD mentor, actually, David Liu. Um, so he's a really famous scientist who is kind of really well known for developing these amazing technologies and then kickstarting biotechs off of these technologies, okay. which then can lead to these rapid developments of, of gene editing technologies and other technologies for the clinic. And so I really enjoy this model where there's a bridge between academic research and clinical success. And it would be great to be kind of a leader in that field and and really be the one who develops the technologies, puts them into industry to develop them and actually see them go into the clinic. Yeah, that's great. Do you think, can you see yourself, you mentioned some of the peers from the 30 under 30 Mm -hmm. group being CEOs. Yeah. Do you, do you want to go the corporate route at some point, you think? Or is it, I know you're, I think I remember you saying before that you, you really love, enjoy the research and maybe yeah. want to be in the academia world or space. But Yeah, to be honest, I don't know if I'd do, be the best CEO. Okay. Um, I'm definitely more of the nerdy science side <laughs> where I like to think really in depth about really tiny areas. So I think that's where I fall in this whole pipeline. Yep. Um, but definitely, you know, founder of companies, scientific advisory boards, um, yeah. that sort of thing. I'm, yeah. I'm super interested in. I'm also, one thing that also really motivates me is I was actually looking um, recently at some of the top CRISPR companies. You can look at, you know, the top five that are by by value. And I was curious, I, I looked up, all right, of those five companies, the scientific founders, how many are women? Yeah. And top five I saw, there were 20 founders, only two were women. Okay. And so that is another statistic that like really just frustrates me. Yeah. Right. Ten percent. Yeah. And so this You'd is like another thing. You like to see it thing. closer to fifty percent. Right. That, exactly. That yeah. yeah. And, and and it's completely skewed representative wise because if you actually look at the the women who are in the scientific workforce, yep. uh, completing PhDs and all this other stuff, it is it is close to fifty. Okay. So there's definitely that. Still, there's something disconnect um, yep. right there. Yep. Yeah. Are those companies, are there are there opportunities in San Diego in the CRISPR space? or is Very it little, actually. Yeah. yeah, most of them, because the big CRISPR hubs right now, right, are, are Berkeley and Harvard. Okay. Um, and so they're all centered around there. Um, yep. Hopefully, you know, myself and others will change that eventually. Yeah, well, San Diego is still third on the totem pole, I think, from right. a life science hub standpoint. So maybe... Maybe it's soon to soon to come. I guess yeah, we'll hope, well, we I can, really hope, we'll hope so. Yeah, we'll hope for it. Yeah, or even we'll go one step ahead and figure out the next big thing and be the head of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Are there other industries or kind of maybe um, sub industries within that that you have an interest in that maybe you you're not working in now but can see yourself kind of pivoting into in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm doing right now, the delivery is a pivot. Okay. Um, it's pretty different from what I did as a PhD. And like I said, I think it's the next big step in, in this. And it has applications for more than just CRISPR, right? So as you get more complex into therapeutics that can help treat any sort of human disease, you start to think about biologics. And you hear this name, this term a lot in therapeutics of biologics. And what that just means is uh, it's a biological agent. So a nucleic acid or a protein that can go into the human body to, to help treat disease. And those any biologic biologic has the same barrier as CRISPR, which 
which is how do we actually get it effectively and safely into the human body. So I think this whole area is is ripe to explode. Yeah. Yeah. And you, uh, I realized as you were talking a minute ago, you brought up the kind of skewed ratio of, yeah. of women to men. I know there's a, you have a soft spot that you'd shared with me before yeah. for women in STEM. So mm-hmm. it kind of connects to that, obviously. Uh-huh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What? So we talked a little bit about San Diego. I've shared that I'm a big San Diego fan. You're fairly new to San Diego, I think, right? Yeah, six months. Six months. Yeah. Okay. So you're still, getting, was. The, still yeah. getting a feel for it. This is the this is the best time of year to be in San Diego, yeah. I think, because unless you're a big fan of freezing, yeah, this is a, it's nice to get a San Diego winter. So this, yeah. is your, this is your first San Diego winter. Uh-huh. And it was it was drastically contrasted because home for me, uh, all my family is in Chicago, so I just w- came back from Chicago where they had their giant snowstorm and their sub-zero weather. Yep. So um, it definitely just like secured my decision to come here. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you get, I'll warn you, you, you'll become soft living here. I heard. Life is easy. Yeah. You don't have to wear jackets most of the time. <laughs> so it's definitely an easy life in San Diego, which is which is good. But again, you have to watch out for getting a little soft. Yeah. So far, so in the six months you've been here, what's, and you can, you are coming from an interesting perspective because you can kind of compare San Diego to maybe the other, some of the other biotech yeah. ecosystems across the country. What's your take on the ecosystem here and how, how does it compare to what you've experienced in other, yeah. in other areas? I mean, I think it's a lot more casual, which I really appreciate, right? So you go to places like Harvard, right? And you go to a meeting with anyone, they're in a suit and it seems yep. very formal. Yep. Um, but then like even, you know, us sitting down together, this is a professional relationship and we're drinking cider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and neither of us are in suits. Correct. <laughs> so. Uh, yep. I think that's one of the biggest changes. Yep. And with this relaxed lifestyle, you know, people have a lot more hobbies. Like I know many people who are very famous professors at my institution who will just take a break in the middle of the day to go surfing. Yeah. And so stuff like that is much more of a norm yep. here. Uh, so I think I, I really enjoy the atmosphere, you know, this kind of like work hard, play hard, where yep. we're obviously still competitive to places like Boston and San Francisco. But I I like to think that a lot of people are much happier. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. I think the, the the sunshine throughout the year helps with the happiness. Yes. As well, and the surfing thing, you bring up a good point. It's, it is, I think, if you were gonna like like leave, cut out of work for an hour uh-huh. in the middle of the day, to do anything else, it might be kind of frowned upon. No. But in San Diego, it seems like it's just kind of an accepted thing. No, that yeah. if, oh, you're gonna go surfing? Okay, yeah. See you in an hour. Yeah. Or so like right a, before work. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a it's a given, and it's it's viewed as being completely acceptable. Yeah. To be kind of out on your lunch hour, swimming around in the ocean. So yeah. That's, that's I pretty think cool. it, and, and I think it fosters a lot of growth because it's easier to approach people, right? Yep. And so there can be people who are completely famous. You think that they're really high above your station, but they're much more casual and much more approachable. And this can lead to a lot of growth for someone, especially like me, who's very young. Yep. You know, I don't I don't feel intimidated by a lot of the older people in my field because they are so welcoming and casual. Yep. Yeah. So before we started the the conversation here, I think you, you mentioned that you were closing on hiring, mm-hmm. I think you said your first graduate student. Yeah, my graduate student. That's a big milestone, yeah. right? Yeah. To hire someone, you've got a, someone reporting to you, like you're kind of growing a team. It's exciting and terrifying. Yeah, I have um, one graduate student and one research assistant right okay. now. It's crazy to think that like, you know, the way academic labs work is you raise money through grants to be able to fund your research, but yep. you also use those to fund people. Yep, sure. Who, right? So it's it's a very different feeling for me to actually be responsible for people's livelihoods. I'm, yeah. I'm paying them. Yeah. 
but it's also you know a mentorship relationship so they have goals that are uh, to move on in the sciences yep. and I'm helping them get there so I, I would imagine it's a very specific skill set that you kind of needed in a person yeah. Was, is it difficult to find a good candidate I don't know I I don't think there's actually a huge like a very specific skill set yes they have to be a scientist yeah. right but but I don't think they need an introductory skill set like you need to know how to do CRISPR, okay, right? Okay. I, I really look for people who are interested, who are motivated, who are yep. excited about the research. I There's one, this is actually very similar to how I started my PhD. I mentioned that I came from undergraduate research that was purely chemistry, and I switched to a PhD research that's biology. So I came into the lab not knowing many of the techniques that people what biologists think are very routine, um, but I was able to learn them because you know I was driven, I was excited, I was motivated, and so I, I approach hiring my people the same way. That's great. Yeah, that seems like a pretty straightforward approach. And you're right. I think I kind of overestimated the uh, the qualifying criteria. Yeah. <laughs> no. Are you looking for more people? Oh, for sure. Yeah? yeah. How big will the team get? You think? I don't know. I mean, again, I'm basing all of this I said I have a lot of respect for my PhD advisor so yep. you know emulating that lab size and that lab environment and his yep. career tra trajectory I think is is exactly what I'm looking for that lab is 35 40 people um, so it gets pretty big yeah 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 it's um it's amazing I'm, I'm sure part of the exciting part is that the the more people you've got helping you the, the faster the research and oh, the faster sure. the the milestones can come. Yeah. yeah, it's a, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy because yep. you also, the more people you get, the more money you have. The more people you get, the more data you have. The more data you have, the more money you have, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's great. Well, that's kind of, we've covered a lot. Uh, is there anything else that you think the listeners, you'd love to share with the listeners or you think that they should maybe know about either the Scripps Research Institute or yourself or your lab? Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of much. I'm just, okay. yeah, really excited to be in in the Scripps environment. I'm excited that it's in a really strong trajectory, yep. and that I'm working with people who are just, you know, absolute leaders of the field. I think it's a great place for me to start off my career. Good. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're excited to kind of follow along. Yeah. And uh, it would be great to maybe check back in down the road a little ways. Yeah, for sure. And see how progress is going. Yeah. Before we end, what's your take on the cider? I, I like it. I agree. It is subtly sweet. So it's called the San yeah. Diego Jam. It's listed as being everyone's favorite. It's mixed berry, little apple cider, tart and jammy. Good good description. I agree. It's really good. I think it's the first time that we've had cider on the podcast. And yeah. I usually, I don't have a lot of cider drinking experience, but it's great. It's refreshing. Yeah. It's good. Not a huge fan when cider is too sweet. Right. I think this is like right. absolutely perfect balance. Yeah. So we'd recommend it. Bivouac Cider Works down in the North Park area. They've got a nice little tasting room. So yeah. And a nice little table with swings. <laughs> a swinging chair. We've been sitting in a swinging chair this whole time, yeah. which is also a first. But all right, well, Shannon, thanks a lot for making time. This has been fun. Yeah, it was great to, to be out here and chat with you. Great. Thanks for listening to the Biotech and Breweries podcast. If you found this episode interesting, please share it with a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app. For more information or to suggest a guest, please visit biotechandbreweries.com.